2: Welcome to RSN's Racing Pulse.
1: Just spoke up to on front, say, but Captain Envious runs on by. Captain Envious, two leagues, three leagues coming clear. Captain Envious from the Ballarat Cup. But it's golden 60 for Hong Kong. Jolly star for James McDonald, another big one, and two thousand guineas on the bounce, coming away from Sharaz and also Solom, without a fight. Mark Zara, a
2: Melbourne Cup champion, wins by two running. The breaking racing news, the stories, opinion, the mail, and the people who make racing happen. Here's Michael Felgate. (laughs)
3: Good morning and welcome to Racing Pulse on this Monday the 18th of December. You'd think with uh, a week just until Christmas that... There wouldn't be that much to discuss in the world of racing that things would be winding down, but we are celebrating what arguably could be the greatest sporting moment and racing moment of the year on the weekend because fairy tales do come true. The Damien Oliver farewell in WA will go down in history as one of, if not the greatest, retirement finales ever that we have seen as far as racing's concerned. That Three winners to Damien Oliver the last three races at Ascot, including the race named in his honour, the Damien Oliver Gold Rush in one of his most vintage and most brilliant rides on Mudamec. We're going to discuss it in depth on today's program. We'll speak to Nick Ryan, the trainer, who has known Ollie for so long and he's been so great in the build-up to Ollie's farewell, doing all the media that there could be and he used to battle it out with Ollie head-to-head as one of the great apprentices so there was a great touch of symmetry with the fact that he was the trainer that provided ollie with his final win and we'll also hopefully have a chat to one of the part owners who we know and love so well in racing and that is racing.com's clint Hutchison. um maddie stewart joins us and so does mick Sharkey. um there is so much to talk about and so much to relive over the weekend with damien oliver and um, Sharkey. You were there for the entirety on Saturday. I had to leave because I had a family commitment uh, for Christmas. So there was a lot of FOMO from my point of view. But the build-up over there was absolutely phenomenal. I can't imagine what that feeling would have been like in the mountain yard as Ollie hit the line
0: in that final race. Good morning to you. Good morning to Maddie. Morning, boys. Morning. Yeah, I'm still in shock. Um, is it really only eight days till Christmas? <laughs> so you, you've done all your shopping? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ollie's, Ollie's wow. one thing, but eight days till Christmas? What's
4: going on there? Wow, um, I thought you've bought them all elephant t-shirts, uh, haven't you?
0: <laughs> what? Actually, I got, I got <laughs> what? my... got we'll they, get to Ollie eventually. They we'll fall get to out Ollie out eventually. the back of a truck? What is that that you're wearing? That's <laughs> me um, it's Carter t-shirt. Beach um, Magic it's his, Elephant t-shirt. It's his Magic Elephant. Um, I actually... Got one of the kids out of the way with a, a jacket that we got from work, and I gave it to him. And then he decided that oh it was on, too big, so then I gave it to Tiger Keenan yesterday. So I've recycled already. Um, just on the Ollie thing, it's you can't, you can't, you just couldn't script it. If you did, if you put the script in and said, "Here's my script for my farewell," they go, oh, "Come make it real, son." Well, come well, on, hang you can't on. do
3: that. Uh, Ollie's career, he's had a fair few Script, movie yeah. scripts. Now, uh, the cut was a
0: great moment, mm. but some people might say there needs to be a sequel after his f- finale. What's, what's that actor's name who was in the castle who played him? Is he ready to go again for the sequel? Um, yeah, yeah, look what do you say, and I still think the most extraordinary link-up was, as a mate of mine, WSD texted and said, you do realise that Friedman won the big race in Brisbane and Scalacci won the dog oh, race. Scalacci won the dog race. Yeah, so the tie-in uh, was just extraordinary all around the country, so uh, Simon Miller described it really well, and it just makes it even more of a transition in a way, doesn't it? And Ollie will do what Ollie does and he'll find really interesting things to do and stimulate himself. But just now off the back of that to, to now to stop off the back of the peak of Everest Mm. like that, that sort of moment and the adulation and that like, I just would love to know what he's thinking. I know he's done with it all. He's exhausted. But I just, in coming days when he goes down to Margaret River and walks along the beach and that, how does he reflect himself on his own life and career? And then how long before he starts to think about what's the next adventure? Well,
3: if he's pulled up anything like Mick Sharkey, it'll be a while before he starts to think with some clarity because uh, it's not Kamal we have in the studio with us. It is Mick Sharkey. And
0: um, there's a live. He he was what they call front and centre. There's a
3: live market on whether Sharky will actually get through the program today because that voice is hanging on, hanging on by a thread.
4: Barely. No, it was something else, that's for sure. Um, obviously, you're there, to, you're there to enjoy the race day, you're there to hopefully see a great moment, but also they're supporting a mate and he's got a runner in the race and Hutchie and uh, and Jason Tan and it was, it was just... I can't actually quite believe what happened because the boys were quite down the way the race day was playing out. It was really hard to make ground. Often is over there too on those big days. The wind wasn't, you know, the, the saving wind that was supposed to come and help horses Fremantle run on Doctor. from the back didn't eventuate. It was really stifling and, and the air was thick and it was hot and they were a bit flat, to be honest, as we got closer to the race. And then Ollie wins on divine belief and thinking, oh, well, that's great. He got one and we're all mm. sort of on the deck watching and thinking, this is a great moment. Then he wins the next one. And then it became this, you know what's going to happen, don't you?
0: Was it almost... He's going to win. It's going to happen, yeah. Well, we sort of started it. Did he write it specifically that way to just... Because of the way the track was playing, it, if you're going to win, you're going to win with luck. That's all, the only way it's going
4: to happen. I... Uh, yeah. Later on that night, we were chatting and Ollie, Ollie was there and I sort of... I don't I don't know Damien that well, which is weird been in the same industry for 17 years, but sort of said to him, did you, could you believe when the gaps came and what not? thinking, you know, this is all just happening like, and he said, oh no, I knew uh, the horse in front of me has a tendency to sort of shift a little bit. I knew this jockey, this jockey were in front of me. I thought, I want to be where they are because they'll take me to the right spot. Mm. And when he broke it down, he was so clinical. He said, you still rely on the gap, but he said, I knew if the gap came, the horse would take it because this horse... Will go.
0: So even his last ever ride, he's going through it in this calculated sort of way. And this you is know? ten o'clock at night, and he's yeah.
4: thinking, everybody, yeah. just stopped. Even Nick Ryan went, "Really?" Yeah. He said, "Well, I, he said, well, yeah." And he said, "Well, I didn't give any instructions, so I guess, but he would had it mapped out. How do I overcome this this problem?" You Which could was see was in the first two
3: hundred meters of the race that that was what his plan was going to be because the horse actually jumped quite well, but he was he was quick to ease and get to the inside part of the track. And, look, if you're a punter, you're probably going, oh, no, what's going on? But then when the horses got to the point of the turn, it, it opened up a little bit. And you, have a look yeah. at Bustler. Bustler's mm. run was mm. enormous. Yeah. But he went 25 wide that's right. scouting. That's right. And you could
4: never win doing that. Ollie knew
3: you had to cut the corner, and that was the only way he could win.
4: And he, he knew that the horse, if there was a gap, as tight, however wide it was, that the horse would go through it. And that's what he banked on was if i get half a sniff here this horse will go and he did it was just mm. and you could see it happening and Hutch when i will we'll speak to him later on but had some really close and long-time friends there with him and and we spent some time with with the boys on on friday and they were just all around him and the the collective vibe it felt like it started within that little group of five or six people but then it grew as the rest of the crowd dialed in to what was going on and it it was just insane people were just jumping around screaming carrying, hugging each other it was just out of control what you just witnessed i don't think there's been a bigger moment in in wa racing no. ever um just, and just the way incredible.
3: that the crowd were were on board and and nick ryan needs to take a big Um, part of that congratulations uh, because the way he has prepared Mudamek was absolutely outstanding and it would have been a a meeting where people were going is this going to happen is this going to happen Ollie got beaten on a few horses they thought could win earlier in the day but then the way he finished three wins in a row including the highlight, Munimek in his own race.
1: He's gone for home. He's raced two in front. Divine Belief is clear. It's still Divine Belief. The racing gods have finally answered the call. The crowd's gone wild. Ollie's won it on Divine Belief. Old Chisel on the outside reaches the lead. Brooklyn Pier gets through. Magnificent Andy is coming. Bastard, start. Magnificent Andy. Upper limits. Ollie's done it again.
4: Magnificent Andy with Magnificent Ollie. It's Ripcord. Ripcord and now Munimek Mutamek, Mutamek! has got there. Oliver's got the run.
1: The racing gods have spoken. It's gold, gold, gold at Ascot. Ollie goes out a winner in the gold rush. Second and third ripcord comfort me. Well, I couldn't think of a better way to finish
3: it. Um, you're right, it was death or glory at the top of the straight, but I... I knew this horse, I had a bit of confidence in this horse, he can take the gaps when they come. And um, Nick Ryan did a great job with him. I just had to point him in the right direction. When the gaps came, he, he worked his way through them well. And um, it was a great win, but an unbelievable feeling. And, uh, I couldn't think of a better way to finish it off.
4: Oh, a bit of relief, I suppose. Yeah, it was, attention is not my,
3: really my, my area. Um, but um, I understand it's, it's been overwhelming. But, um, you know, the crowd here at, at Ascot today, you now, what a wonderful reception. It's just, you know, I, I think it's the biggest crowd I've seen here. And, um, you know, just the, the applause and the roar I got.
5: Oh, mate, I'm speechless. What a ballsy ride. <laughs> He's just the greatest. Um, could you have scripted it? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, mate, I was sort of, I was having um, flashbacks to Derby Day when he, when he was held up. And, mate, they talk about racing gods. He is a god.
3: Oh, how beautifully summed up from everyone. Uh, and to listen to the crowd in the background, Darren McCauley's calls, not just to Moondamec but the way he built throughout the afternoon with Ollie's wins was simply sensational and I, I love the way Ollie summed it up. It's death or glory coming to the home turn and then uh, for Nick Ryan uh, to come up with a couple of pearls post race with that emotion, absolutely sensational as well. And We've got the man of the moment, Nick Ryan, uh, who joins us. He said after the race, it's not a group one but it." feels like at the biggest moment, without doubt, in Nick's career from a a prize money point of view, but also an emotional point of view as well. Nick, how are you? How have you pulled up from such an emotional and draining weekend? Yeah, morning, boys. Um, Yeah,
5: look, um, I'm still pinching myself. It's um, what an unbelievable day. It's it's, um, one of the greatest feelings I've ever had in my life and something that I'll remember forever.
0: It's almost like getting being the best supporting actor in the greatest film of all time, isn't it? You're, you're Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, in this case. Uh, is that the way you felt that it was all about Ollie? But you, you, it was such a huge thing that you were a central figure in the biggest racing story in West Australian history.
5: Yeah. Look, it's it's still uh, honestly still sinking in. Um, it's just um, it's a real privilege just to be a part of something that. I guess it's going to be one of the greatest sporting moments or go down as one of the greatest sporting moments that we've
4: seen. Morning, Nick. As a trainer who's also been a jockey, I think what was really palpable post-race and, and having a, a beer with you later on was the, the huge respect that you have personally for, for Ollie. Tell tell us a little bit about you know, your relationship with him when you were riding and then how that's t- transitioned as a trainer.
5: Yeah, look, I, I think um, it's so special, you know, riding, when I started riding at 15 and um, Damien was number one, well, he's always been number one, um, as as a, I can remember, but to ride alongside him and, and to look up to him as an idol and then, you know, uh, the past 18 months, he's, he had a, there was a little phase here when he'd he done a, a fair bit of riding for me and rode some winners, but for him to have his last ride in, in such a, a big big prize money race and a race named in his honour um, and just the way he's done it and the way things have panned out, um, it's just unbelievable.
0: Yeah, how do you actually win a race named in your honour? That's too much pressure, <laughs> surely. Uh, hey, um... Nick, Shark was telling us that later in the evening, uh, when he was having a bit of a chat to Ollie, he quite clinically went through the way the race unfolded, and how, even though it was the Damien Oliver race, he was able to just sort of treat it as a problem to be solved, and uh, I've got to follow them, I've got to, I've got to you know, go left instead of right, and the gap's always going to appear, and I think you were part of that conversation, and everyone's a bit surprised, that even for his last ride, and it tells you about why he was such a great jockey, is his ability to be cl- clinical when it counted?
5: Absolutely I think you know I, I quote myself after the race It was, it was one of the balls he tried I've seen but chatting with him later on that night he, he you know he looked up the horse actually Munamek jumped well he hadn't been jumping well but he jumped well but Damien said he looked up and there was although they weren't going that quick there was a line of seven or eight of them across the track so he just took his medicine and went back he, he had no choice and to ride for luck and, you know, it's his last ever ride in the race, you know, it just goes to show that he really does have ice in his, in his veins and um, to produce something like that, um, he's going out on top, isn't he?
0: Hey, you made a transition from... I don't know a harp on this subject a bit, but I'm just sort of fascinated by it the what he has to work through now to um for the next phase of his life to deal with the fact that there's not the the the, the adrenaline rush and the and the adulation and all that sort of stuff. You've you'd been through it, probably not to the same scale, but it's uh you know him quite well. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting period now that he the dust settles and, and there isn't another ride. There's no other ride. Yeah. Um
5: yeah, it's uh I suppose a little bit different from mine and his, but his has been built up. But certainly, I'm sure, um, in the months to come, he'll be sitting there on a Saturday and no doubt he's going to miss it and and miss the rush and the the adrenaline. But, geez, I think there's there's no better way to go out the way he did uh, Saturday.
3: No, there's not. Everyone says you want to go out when you're on top, but then there's the other side that says, jeez, I'm still riding so well. Uh, oh, you you want to keep racing this. Zaki
0: too. So uh, <laughs> <just> leave, <laughs> let's just leave it off. <laughs> uh,
3: hey, tell us, did you feel the pressure uh, leading into Saturday yourself, Nick, because there had been such a build-up?
1: Well,
5: a little bit, um, I think more so when I got into Perth and sort of went to the tracks that day morning and then arriving on course, um, you know, we got there a bit early. We were upstairs in the room and watching him ride all day and, um, you know, all his family and, and Paddy's mother was there and the kids and um, the, the build-up. I think there was a cameraman filming, filming Trish every race, wait, waiting for him to ride a winner and then, boom, he wins the third last then the second last, then settling up Munamek, I, I sort of said to Aaron, I said, I think, I think this might happen, you know. It's, and anyway, it actually did. It was just unbelievable build-up, and um, you know, it, it just couldn't have pictured it really.
3: For you as a, a as a trainer, making your way, we know you've been doing really well in recent times. But it's not a group one, as we said. But does a win like this actually help put you on the map and and go to the next level as well?
5: Well, I hope so, Michael, but it, it certainly does feel feel that way, you know. It's a, albeit it's a big prize money race, it's only Group 3 weight for age, but, um, you know, the, the phone calls and the messages I've got and the accolades, it's it's been certainly overwhelming, but, um, you know, I've even spoken to some people and, you know, I'll hopefully do win a Group 1 not too far away, but... I think that day, the feeling I had, it's it's going to be very hard to top.
4: How many of the 700 missed calls have you gotten back to? (laughs) (laughs) I
5: was actually, um, I jumped into bed last night to to do the work list for this morning and and started replying to some messages and um, actually fell asleep and I didn't even get to the work list. I had to do
0: it this morning. (laughs) (laughs) um, 600 in evens. Just make them all do 600 in (laughs) evens. (laughs) <laughs> not on a
3: Monday morning. Uh, maybe they'll tie up. <laughs> hey, and, and how did the boy pull up? Uh, not you, uh, not Ollie, but muramek
5: He, he pulled up enormous. He, he actually was taking the rug off him in the mounting yard. And I, we were standing there and he was um, he brought his butt and I actually couldn't believe how well he pulled up. It just goes to show Aaron Mitchell has done an absolutely fantastic job and I've got to thank him. And, um, you know, he, he went over there a month. He's been over there with a month for him And um, <coughs> when I got there Saturday morning I was actually you know, I was very confident the horse was going To run well but um, Done a super job so he's, he's had three runs In he flies out of Perth on um, Tuesday night so he'll Arrive back to Flemington Wednesday morning and um, Yeah we'll go from there I'm not sure what we'll do We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll Speak to Hutch and, and go from there
0: Uh if we're done with that one i just got to give a little special um shout out to some other part owners of a different horse nick who uh went around in the second at bendigo yesterday the Sal chow owners are uh not quite as over the moon as the, the ollie sort of crew at the moment but uh, uh you got some very happy owners with it at the other end of the spectrum after a nice debut yeah terrific debut i was um
5: i was very happy with that he's a. Uh, He's still green and still got a lot to learn, but he's by Tavachi and he's, um, he's going to get a lot better as he gets out further. But, um, yeah, that's sometimes I go The the races a bit new, but, um, yeah, it's, um, plenty of things in store for him for sure.
3: Well, mate, um, enjoy coming back down to earth. It'll be hard to come off that high and then uh, get back and start doing the work on a Monday, but uh, you've got a lot to look forward to with Mutamek moving forward. Have you got anything in the back of your mind as to what the next targets could be? Could you throw
0: the All-Star Mile or throw mm. the stumps?
1: Well, I'm
5: not sure. Look, we, we did try to get him in that race last year and um, he sort of just missed out. Then we went to Queensland trying to sneak him into a Stradbroke, broke and we looked out there. So, um, I guess, you know, we'd, we'd like to get him into a handicap down in the weights. Now that his sort of rating's getting up there, we might have some more options. But I really think he's hes certainly best. He's a fresh horse. He needs to be ridden, how Damien rode him Saturday, as far as finding his feet and back. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's. Uh, I think we'll open some doors now. We've got his rating up and um, we'll
3: have some more options. Got to find another jockey now too. Yeah, I know, I know. it's going to be uh, it's going to be hard to replace that one. Uh, well done, Nick. Uh, you uh, played such a brilliant role in what is a day most people will never forget. Enjoy it. Thanks, boys. Cheers. Uh, he's a star, mm. Nick Ryan, absolute star, yeah, and one of the nicest good. people you'll ever meet. Um, you know, get to spend a bit of time with him. But for everything he's been through, you forget what a champion. Jockey, he was to win the premiership as an apprentice. Mm. I think he's the last one to have done that. I'll stand correct if that's
0: wrong. But anyway, if not. He's, he was excellent. He's yeah. an excellent jockey.
3: Yeah. Excellent
0: oh, well, he was Blake Shin, and Blake Shin was him. That's the bottom line. And then he had. Time in the wilderness.
3: Um, well, he started working on the roads. That's right. Yeah. And then yep. for what he's been able to do now, and when we were talking to him over there, we had him on the radio and never says no, and he's had so many media commitments. He was like, I'm just keen to keep my stable about 35 because I want to ride them all. work so I know them intimately myself. And he said, I just want to have premium quality and smaller numbers and he's obviously he's obviously got the gift as a trainer as well
0: well he's always just going to be part of the biggest story isn't he know nothing will change that no matter how well he does as a trainer he's going to be the bloke who trained all his last winner
4: it's crazy isn't it when you think about you know it's the reaction and everything else it felt like a group one race day it's a group three but that horse will be able to get into a Stradbroke in the winter with a really winnable weight. It sounds and like broke first up's the th- sort
0: of thing he's thinking about, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, I'm not sure about first up, but whether they just do a similar thing where mm. they just... Because he had that really long prep when he first sort of came to Australia, and then this time around it was a more deliberate, okay, we're going to go bounce, 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 third up into this race. And I think uh, by the sounds of things on, on Saturday night, that would probably be a leading option, which gives you another great option... Of looking at a Rupert Clark or something like that.
0: Well, he's very you know, popular those... in Perth. Could he have a crack at a quokka? 1200. Mm, he's probably a better 14 to 16. Uh, isn't fresh
3: he? 1200. Who knows? You're but he's going to run into he's a Amelia's so. in that race.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, a few SMSs before we take a break. Are Black Caviar and Winx, the only others to win races named in their honour. Pretty good company to be in. Um, what a weekend. Ollie, un- unbelievable. Nick Ryan, take a bow. Uh, Hi Michael Not all Champions Racing Group One races Of all people Terry Bailey was glowing in his praise Worth listening to uh, A call urging his horse on Okay I'll have to catch up with that Um, A 10 year old trained by an 82 year old Winning his first race in over 3 years Uh, at Colac on Sunday. Well, uh, we were caught up with all the stuff in Perth, so I'll follow that up. That sounds like a good yarn. Thank you for sending that through. Uh, Boys, the most amazing thing to watch on the TV, the Ollie show unfolding after its first win. I thought, oh, good on him. The second, you could tell something special was going to happen. I immediately opened my wallet, put everything on (laughs) Munamek, and had tears in my eyes after the win. Um... Morning, guys. Ollie's final day riding was bloody brilliant. He really is the goat only downside. The fun police stewards finding him $500 for his
0: waving of the whip. What do you reckon, boys? I, I don't mind it because it's it's like it's racing's ridiculous. never going to let go. The rules are the rules. I sort of think it's kind of got a nice irony to it that he, that he got whacked. I think he would have a chuckle about it, though. I mean, I think the bloke who's going to pay the fine would probably roll his eyes and goes, yeah, okay. They, they, got me at the, they got me late, the stewards. Do you know one of the other things that I thought was brilliant, was the reaction of his his contemporaries, so the fellow
3: jockeys on social media afterwards. I'll, I'll give you a snapshot of some of the tweets that were sent out. Damien Lane, what a special day to be part of. Words will never do it justice, but fitting send-off for the best we've seen. End of an era. What a privilege it was to have ridden alongside the goat. Mark Zara went out a goat special. James McDonald, yes. Ollie, so good. Hugh Bowman, goat ends on his terms. Jamie Carr, he is the proper goat. Oh, my God. Dan Stackhouse, the goat is all class. Dan Moore. Get Scorsese on the phone because the cup needs a sequel.
0: Freak. Uh, so according to Bucket Scorsese's the so there'll be, there'll be blood and guts everywhere if Scorsese's going to direct it. So There's someone in the boot of the car. I oh, know. <laughs> oh, a snapshot of some of the hey, uh, the SMS's. <laughs> hey, we need to take a quick break. Into just just quickly, the the horse that that tweeter was, uh, was referring to was a good yarn, the 10-year-old who won at Colac. Hadn't won for about 400 days but went around $3.40 So Such was the depth of that race. We might
3: grab that race call out uh, from TB according to the SMS and we'll look forward to doing something on that maybe on tomorrow's program. Quick break into nine o'clock and then we might speak to Clint Hutchison if he's back from Perth after the break.
2: On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict.
3: Welcome back to the verdict. Got a heap of SMS which we will get through. Um, boys, we'll also talk a little bit later about the meeting at Caulfield. What a what a day it was at Caulfield for the jockeys. Uh, we're going to have a chat to um, Maddie. Stuart, well, maybe we won't today. Maybe we'll do it later or leave uh, it for you because uh, your Celine machine, a treble at Caulfield. Tatum Bull had a double and uh, the Irish import that Mm. Giramar and Dave Eustace has brought uh, out here to Australia also um, had a a double as well. So he's going to take a a power beating, I think, with the horses and the firepower he'll have over the summer. We'll head up to... Um, Queensland, because you alluded to the fact, Matty, about Mm. the remarkable day that we had. If you were a Damien Oliver theme fan throughout the day, Scalacci, the greyhound that he went and met last week. Uh, an unbelievable win in the rank, Phoenix. Rank outsider. Yeah, I know. I spoke to Talgy during
0: the week and mm. he gave it a good push. $31 into, I think, 20s. Actually, we're going to talk to the Talgy, the pizza man. He's um, a brilliant then story. He's got two greyhounds. We're going to talk to him on uh, what's it, Cracking the Codes a little bit later on. Yep. So He's got a pizza shop as well. And we'll head up and have a chat to Lee
3: Friedman because, obviously, Ollie's greatest mentor. Um, three years since Lee Friedman's won a, a listed or group race, and he did that with Encoder in the Grand Prix, on Saturday, so plenty more still to come on The Verdict, but uh, as we round out the Ollie fairy tale, uh, let's have a chat to the man who masterminded getting Damien Oliver on, on Munamek. Uh, the architect. We know him very well because he is Hong Kong Hutchie now. Uh, what do we call him in WA? He'd be the, the godfather of the WA. King of the king of WA. Clint Hutchison, who joins us. Hutchie, congratulations,
1: mate. Uh, what weekend, guys. Um, just unbelievable. Look. Better bit of preface to everything by saying um, we're going to run out of racing cliches and if my voice gets through the interview, we'll be doing well.
0: Has anyone posted bail for you yet?
1: Feels <laughs> a bit like that. It was a long day. It was a long flight back yesterday, but what an enjoyable one. Um, just an incredible weekend. Uh, you know, you just go over and over in your head about the whole day. And, <clears throat> I mean, to end your career that way, I mean... It just leaves you speechless and the whole, the crowd, the moment,
4: just just something very, very special. Hutch, everyone listening obviously knows you from .com and from your time in Hong Kong, but it's probably less known is your, you know, your roots are in WA, connection with WA, but there's also a really strong family connection with the Olivers. Can you share a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely
1: i mean you know they've been family friends for a long time um damien's late father ray rode against my late father bruce and um my mother lana knows pat wild i mean you know they're it's a tight-knit community racing everywhere and the their days in wa over generations um we've been close and ollie came to ride obviously in hong kong what been nearly 30 years ago now and uh, rode for my father and we became mates then, been mates ever since. So, yeah, it's been, we've, we've known each other a long time and uh, it just made it so special there. And to, for him to go back to WA, I think, to round out his career was a real tribute to, to Western Australia and it's, I thought it was a really nice touch from Ollie because, you know, he's, he's had such a successful career, the majority of which has been here in Melbourne, but To go home in front of your home crowd and everyone on course, well, basically everyone on course, shouting him home there at the end of the day. I mean, it was just out of this world. And and not just a
0: home crowd, but I'm sure there were people throughout the day or throughout his time there, Hutch, who played perhaps minor roles, but in the moulding of of a little kid, like uh, he left when he was 15 or 16 and I remember talking to him over the years about him and his brother and their mates mucking around and always having skills competitions, whacking golf balls into rivers or doing whatever it was and riding their bikes around and stuff, and there would have been people at Ascot yesterday who none of us over here would ever have known and wouldn't have known what role they'd played with Ollie, but there'd have been a few old old blokes, for instance, sitting in corners at the racetrack that would have given Ollie a knowing look throughout the Of playing some sort of a role,
1: I met I met plenty of them on the weekend, and there were plenty putting their hand up that said they did. <laughs> the yeah. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think, and that was it. They they all felt a little bit of a part of it, uh, a bit special. He's he's one of theirs, um, and and to be as successful as he has in his career, and and to be one of theirs just just meant it to, meant so much to so many there, which was incredible and. Uh, I mean, he's, he's poised late in the day. I mean, and to produce that sort of a ride at the end of the day, I mean, it's just, it just blows your mind to think that, you know, and it, and it really, I thought, showcased why he is regarded as the GOAT because he does things like that in moments like that. So that was, I assume, a spur-of-the-moment
3: call from Ollie, or did you discuss a scenario like that pre-race, as Sharky said, they weren't making much ground during the day? Um, or did you just go, uh, Ollie, leave it up to you? Or did he give you any inkling as to that could be the way well, he wanted to ride it? I'll,
1: I'll run you through what happened. I mean, obviously, through the day, we, were, we were want, everyone was wanting him to get a winner and it wasn't happening. And we're thinking, oh, gee, I hope he gets a winner today because you know, you don't want to see him bow out without one and then obviously he booted one home and the crowd were elated and then he got another one home and I'm like, oh, this is great Um, Honestly, it was almost like a feeling of relief that he's going to end up and he's got a couple of winners and we were hopeful. We, I mean, our barrier draw the way the track was riding. We're thinking, oh, this is not great. But the one bit of when you're talking tactics, what we did say uh, at a quick chat with Nedas, we're not telling him anything. We don't tell we don't tell this guy what to do. Just leave it with him. It wasn't his game plan. He told us what his game plan was, but. This is the other part about why it was such a brilliant ride. I mean, he he said Valor road to his outside, didn't jump well, so he went back to another plan. He went back and rode for luck. He said they weren't going quick enough. I was going to need a lot of luck. 1,000 metres from home, I thought, oh, this will be nice if we can run a nice third or fourth with some luck, which we probably won't get. And the next minute, um, what, 10 or 15 seconds later, when he was tracking into it and looking for a run, it uh, started to build and get very exciting and... It I was just a bit of a blur the whole moment when he burst through and the crowd just erupted. Uh it was alongside me, he nearly broke my back when he gave me a hug, <laughs> but um, it was just incredible. No, it wasn't, it was, a, it was a plan that he made on the move. I mean, and that's what he does. And when I was talking to him that night, he was sort of saying, he went back into the room at the end of the day, he had a good chat to all the boys and he was sort of saying to them, listen, the one thing you got to do when you're riding he said, "Trust your trust your own judgment and back your own judgment." And he goes, "I know a lot of the time you get instructions or whatever, and you've got to follow them out to an extent, but part of being good or great is really backing yourself."
0: See, racing's got horse heroes and human heroes, hasn't mm. it? Like, I remember the arc was just... The, the 10 minutes after that was amazing. You would have felt it with Equinox, Michael. And mm. last Sunday at Chartin, Hachi. how do you compare the, the, the hero worship of the horses to the to the ollie worship at Ascot?
1: Well, a bit of um, self-bias. or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, you couldn't believe... I mean, what a trip I've had. I went, went and saw Golden 60 do that in Hong Kong, and I thought, well, I'm not going to top that this year. And then to come back to Perth and, and catch up with all my... I mean, it was great for, for me as well. I had some mates there from school and a lot of friends that have, that came along to enjoy the day as well. Um, special thanks again to everyone who sent out some messages as well. I haven't had time to get back to everyone, but I want to thank everybody. and. It's just been amazing. But, yeah, to, to share that with everyone was great. Um, Nick Ryans and, and Aaron Mitchell have done this unbelievable job with monomac And then to get that ride on the day was was just, I mean, I, I still, honestly, I think I've probably watched the replay 9,000 times. Mm. and uh, that, That's been today.
3: Uh, it's been bloody magnificent. Um, and I'm glad you and also Nick Ryan mentioned Aaron Mitchell. We had a, a beer with him on Friday, and he's such a ripper. Young man, and he's planning to maybe head overseas and further his career. He wants to be a trainer. His jockey days are over, so um, you know he's he's going to be someone of the future that we'll be talking about, I think, as well, Hutchy.
1: Oh, definitely, and you know the the young guys the go-getters that go getters that do the job really, really well. But, you know, Nick was very confident pre-race um, on the back of what a sterling job that Aaron had done, and you know these guys took one back. He's an aging galloper, and he. His form here compared to Hong Kong has gone to another level. Um, he and I have really sound in Casper as yard, but Nick's done an unbelievable job and with his team, including Aaron, who's been at the forefront. And to take him up to Queensland and win there, come back, I mean, he's been an iron horse, but you've got to know your horse as well and you've got to execute and, and do the job. And I can't speak highly enough of him. He's, he's been fantastic. It's a, Once again, it's a pleasure to sort of, you know, be involved in that, in that team and um, it's going to be very, very special for a long, long time.
3: Well, and uh, Sharky tells us you added another string to your bow as well, because we know dancing Hutchie, uh, but oh. uh, apparently we heard singing Hutchie on Saturday Incredible night. Incredible
4: singing voice. Absolute and, songbird, and, Hutchie. Absolute songbird. And, we were captivated. And,
1: well, I, I might have to Put the uh, belt out a, a Rod Stewart number at this point in time because we're, uh, <laughs> we're sort of struggling with the voice at this point. But hey, you know what? Um, we had a great night. It was, I mean, it just.
3: It was amazing. It really was. Uh, well, enjoy it. You deserve it, mate. Uh, well done. Uh, it's uh, a great moment in Australian racing that you are now forever linked to. Um, and as Matty Stewart was saying, um, I think we were talking about it on the Friday. If they, if he does win, they may make a sequel. And you said you've already got Danny DeVito lined up for your part. So
4: <laughs> Could yeah. DeVito sing? Because he's going to need to. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: good on you, Hachi. Enjoy it. Cheers, boys. Uh, all right, that was great. Um, a great way to end 2023. And, and we'll get The Apprentice in a little later because he put up a really good poll with the breakfast crew this morning saying, is that the greatest finale um, that you can recall from a, a mm. racing but sporting perspective? Was I'm Kathy, trying to
0: think. Was that her last race, Sydney? Kathy no. Carina?
3: No, I think she continued she? To, to run on after that. I'm sure she did. Um, from a racing point of I'll view, But I'll stand corrected and send us through SMS. And we, not just racing, but if there's a, a great finish to a career, we've seen a few of the footballers like Shane Crawford win a premiership and Joel Selwood as well in their last games. But is there another massive sporting <laughs> moment where they've signed out on top like Ollie? I well, think
4: from a racing point of view, the obvious ones that come to mind, uh, you know, probably recent, and then looking back, Winx's last race was big, Black Caviar's last race was big. I think they're probably superseded by Maccabi Diva, the third Melbourne Cup, and then But out. we didn't but know you, at the time. point. The other aspect is, too, a horse can't talk. Well. The horse can't share with you, and that's been s- such a, a, a different aspect with the Ollie retirement and farewell. He's been able to express how he's been feeling, how he rode the race, everything around it we've heard from the person rather than hypothesizing about, oh, this horse, how good is the horse? You can't, we didn't have to speak for Mm. Ollie. He spoke for himself and then so did everybody else connected with it. The storyline for me was just Mm. absolutely amazing with this. I was watching YouTube last
0: night and I got stuck on boxing again, as I always do. (laughs) Jack, American, like as far as just amazing ticker tape farewells, um, it was either Jack Johnson or Jack Dempsey. It was one of those two. And the streets of New York, when, when there was nothing else to do, mm. I might as well go and say goodbye to this bloke, hmm. They, there was a million people lining the streets of New York, waving things. When I'm pretty sure it was when Jack Dempsey had regained the world title, or when he retired. I think a million people down the main street of New York, waving, waving things at you, is is pretty big. Uh, what about those victory? You know, the great soccer teams when they go back to Brazil and they're fated in the main street and things like that. That's that's sort of the level that mm. I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll take a break. A couple of
3: SMSs here. Um, that was amazing. Uh, The fact that Shark remembers a conversation with Ollie at 10pm is a special moment in itself. (laughs) (laughs) And there's another one saying that um, Shark trying to lift Hachi up off the ground in the back of the TV
4: was his favourite moment of the week. Oh, I got him up. I span him around. The problem was, as Hutch alluded to, later on he said, you know I have a chronic serious back problem. I said, sorry I didn't think of that at the time. I was just doing some chiropractic, little chiropractic yeah. adjustment.
3: Uh, there's a few SMSs coming through here. Cam Smith at the Storm. His final uh, match would be up there and then others, on your point Matty, saying, to be fair, we didn't know that it was Selwood's last. We didn't know it was Black Caviar Maccabi Divas last as well. So keep those SMSs Ruth- coming had True. an
0: amazing farewell. I could imagine someone like Babe Ruth that, Babe would, that would be up there. Yeah. We'll take a break um, and
3: we'll have a chat to a man who played such a big part in Ollie's career and it was fitting that he was back in the winner's list at uh, Eagle Farm on Saturday as well. Lee Friedman's up next.
2: Placing their opinion on the line, it's The Verdict tackle on the outside by Winsome Star then and
1: Encoder still running on Felix the Scouts out but he's under pressure, it's still Winsome Star but
5: Kirakad and Encoder are closing strongly, particularly Encoder 100 metres left to run, Encoder on the outside and Kirakad went by Winsome Star, Encoda strides clear
1: and Encoder won the Grand Prix Encoder first, Kirikand
3: Yeah, what a super win it was by Encoder in the Grand Prix at Eagle Farm on Saturday and if you are a sentimental punter as Maddie Stewart has brought up, you would have had a fill rolling Damien Oliver's last ride winner into the man who started it all for Ollie, Lee Freeman winning the feature, and then a greyhound just happened to be called Scalacci, winning the Phoenix a few hours later. I wonder if Lee was watching all of that unfold. Good morning, Lee. Yes, good morning, lads. No, I, no,
6: I didn't, actually. I uh... When I got home. I had to go go out again Saturday evening, and I see he was in the he was favourite in the third last uh, Ollie that is in, in Perth, and uh, I threw a couple of bucks on him and went out. I didn't realise <laughs> in the last three, and probably arguably one of the best rides of his career, the last ride.
0: And I know you've usually got like about one hundred and eighty-seven bucks floating around in your phone account or something. Did you happen to see Scalacci, the rank outsider, in the Phoenix <laughs> at, at the Meadows? <clears throat> Actually, Matty, um, I don't back
6: dogs. <laughs>
0: well, you uh, should have on Saturday night. <laughs> I, know, I know
6: several uh, comrades of mine come unstuck backing dogs late right at night.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's totally a risky gone. It's a risky pursuit. <laughs> so, are, are, yeah. are, this, it's hard I to, when you w- come to. that stage, someone's got to. A- Got to, there's
4: got to be an
0: intervention. <laughs> <laughs> calling the, calling the priest. Calling the priest. <laughs> hey, um, Lee. So you went out to dinner. I, I reckon it was such a big moment that it was a where were you when, uh, Damien yeah. Oliver did that on Munamek. So you were sitting at dinner with your phone out. Did you? How, how did? T- take us through. You did you watch the race live? I didn't actually. Someone said he's just. Well, you, you've got to see this, right? I didn't. I didn't. I, I, I sort of
6: picked it up yesterday morning and watched. It. I thought, gee. It's as good a ride as you'll ever see in a race, seriously. I mean, to do that, your last race ride, it's like putting your signature on things and saying, see, I'm not retiring because I'm windy or anything. I'm retiring because I want to.
0: (laughs) You're not the most sentimental bloke, I know that. Um, How do you know that? I know that, because <laughs> I keep trying to make you feel sentimental about Mark, Dell, and you'd, you'd say it it's now just a brewery. No <laughs> <laughs> hey, but hey, you must flash back to the, to the early days when this kid came over, and one thing I was wanting to ask you was, was there ever a moment with Damien where you thought, this kid's not going to make it? Uh, whether it was when you dumped him from naturalism, I think you did at one stage. Was there ever a time where you think he didn't have it, didn't have what it would take? No, not really.
6: Um, look, when you've got kids, uh, you know, apprentice boys or girls, uh, there are occasions when you've got to uh, drop the hammer on them, you know, just to make them realise it's that. I never had to do that too many times with, with Damien. Um, you know, in the first six weeks, he probably we, just, we were just watching him, you know, and he was going through the paces and we sent him out to the bush and then uh, I think he wrote a double at, at Mooney Valley for us um at the end of that six week period, I thought, yeah, well, he's got plenty to offer, particularly with the two and a half kilos. I mean, that was just, uh, you know, probably to have one of the greatest, if not the greatest rider of all times, uh, claiming two and a half as a boy, it was, um, <laughs> it was a bit unfair.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely right. Um, no let's get back to your winner on the weekend. It was there was a beautiful story of Scalachi the Greyhound, Damian Oliver the winning and then and then you winning up in Brisbane and you know, your Ooh. brothers won a Melbourne Cup and so has your nephew in recent times and it's 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 sort of now your opportunity to remind everyone who Lee Friedman is too. So that was a, a lovely step on the on the weekend. Yeah, in a sense, um, um without you know, I'm not trying
6: to sound bosey, i have you know, a lot of group races. But I was actually absolutely thrilled for our staff. I've got fantastic staff up here. And uh, they put so much time and effort and, you know, they really love the horses. And particularly the girl that looks after that horse just, you know, has, has just been fantastic with him all the way through. So for me, it was a lot more... It was much bigger thrill, for the win, for them and for, for Dream and Dave and Shannon Um from Dream because they've been great supporters of ours up here. They're great mates and um, and and great supporters. So uh, yeah, it was, it was it was pretty
4: good. Yeah. Leo was going to touch on that relationship with Dream and and Dave and Shannon. I, I think it's almost become a staple of Magic Millions week in January. Seeing the four of you heading off to uh, to dinner or something somewhere <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at some point of the week. Uh, even though they're they're based in Victoria, they you know they're, they're more than happy to support you in Queensland racing.
6: Yeah, I think there's some, you know, there's good opportunities up here, particularly um, like that horse with cutest horses, similar to Vaibus and Bob's, and that, uh, you buy those those cutest qualified colts or fillies and there's just a little bit of extra bonus money all the time. I think Soothsayer, who's that horse's half-brother, mm. that we've had a bit of luck with, he, he's won about a hundred and twenty mm. or thirty thousand dollars just in bonuses, you know. So they're, they're great supporters up here and, and they, they love that Cutis system, so we'll, we'll keep playing along.
0: How's the track going at the Gold Coast, Lee? Uh, it made its comeback. The Magic Minions is really, really close, and there's, I'm still hearing some rumblings about about how well it's going to present. What, what's your gut feeling?
6: Oh, I think it'll be fine. You know, there's always people bitching about tracks. So <laughs> ever since I was <laughs> in nappies, people have been bitching about tracks, but uh, and probably because they didn't win on the day. But um, I will say one thing: that most of these new tracks. Brand new tracks when they start racing, they're usually pretty leaderish because they they've um, they've got the grass cut pretty short here for the first meeting to encourage that kaiju to spread to run, and uh, you've got to keep throwing the water. On it. You've also got to keep mowing it back. But I think Navesh will take a different tack coming up to the wave and the Magic Millions. I think I think you'll see more grass on it which will give it a better cushion. And I, I think he, I think everyone realises that it's one of these super draining tracks that you're going to have to put a lot of water on it. And as we used to do in Singapore on really hot days, you know, um, after track work, they usually put a couple of mils on the track just to keep a little bit of juice in it early because the heat up here at the moment is quite intense. And uh, if you're starting the day with a three, you're going to end up with a one, you know.
0: Hey, Speaking like, of such, so just quickly, just you mentioned Singapore. I see, Dale Brown's resigned. Uh, all the major executive levels, all, all jumping ship a, a, a few months in advance of the complete closure. There, it's it's still a sad and sorry tale as it unfolds, isn't it?
6: Yeah. I suppose it is. I've moved on now.
3: <laughs> okay, righto. Sorry, for, Michael, back to you. <laughs> hey, well, I was going to say, Lee, you had four winners in two days um, on the Friday yeah. and the Saturday. So how, how big is your stable now, Lee? And you're obviously going well at the moment.
6: Yeah, uh, well, it's life, you know. Swings and roundabouts, we're going good at the moment, someone else next week. But um, we only keep about 29 or 30 in work. And I'm still pretty savage on... So I get rid of them pretty quick. Um... But those horses have, uh, we just moved stable actually for the eighth, seventh or eighth time since I've been here and we're, we're finally in what we hope will be our final digs. Um, and the horses have settled in really well and um, interesting, two of my uh, girl riders, you know, Gallop riders rode two of those uh, in Coda with another filly on the track on last Tuesday and said how great the track felt and how well those horses worked. And, um, uh, both of them won. She won on a Friday and he won on a Sunday.
0: So you're obviously still loving it, then. Um, I was going to ask him, though, after six or seven moves, are you getting a bit fed up? Oh, look, I don't interfere. <laughs> <laughs> I do too much when they move. I think it drives my
6: foreman and his wife, Matt. But, um, um, that, look, they knew this was always going to... The end game was always this, so uh, the final move was... Uh, wasn't too bad. We just had to move out of Magic Millions, obviously, because with the sale coming up. But uh, we've moved up the road into some really good stables, and they're you know they're they well appointed. Peter Rabels in the stable next door to I me. Mean, he's just renovated that, so they're, they're good stables. And um,
3: I'll tell you what, my horses will be good, good travellers if they're ever good enough. Cause <laughs> actually, uh, I, um, good one place to the other. You, you mentioned you've done it all, Lee. Uh, you're a Hall of Fame trainer in the the, the cups and. Uh, group One races, but how much of a kick did you get sitting back watching um, your brother Anthony and and Sam win the Melbourne Cup this year?
6: Oh, obviously, you know, blood thicker than water. It, it, it was a great achievement, you know. And to be fair, he, the old boy, had a bit more to do with it than the young boy because he, he spent most of his time training down at um, at Pinecliff, and uh, that horse has had its, its dramas. It's, I think it's a Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's had screws in its joint or it's something or other. And he's um, just gone wrong again, which is so unfortunate. But, you know, it can always cry about those sort of things, but it would have been worse if he'd gone wrong before the Caulfield and Melbourne Cup, so at least he's bagged them. Um, no, they're going great. They run a good operation. They've got a good operation there with Pinecliffe working in tandem with that Flemington stable. And, um, you know, they're... they're uh,
0: They've got some nice horses, yeah. And seeing Anthony's unbridled jubilation that continues to this day after the Cup, it's, it's, uh, you know, jumping through hoops and uh, celebrating wildly. He was smiling on the inside. Yeah, no, he's an internal (laughs) smiler. There's no doubt about that. (laughs) uh, Good on your league. Um, Wrap for you on the weekend, and hopefully uh, you buy some nice ones at the Millions and go on from there. Can't afford them. I've, I've got to find some putters.
3: Well, uh, we'll put the call out there, I'm looking for putters We'll put the call out Hey, just tell us quickly, where's Encoder go next? Do we see it over the billions? Actually, good question, Michael After discussions with Dave yesterday
6: There's a $200,000 bonus If a horse, if a three-year-old can win the Grand Prix and the Wave Which Mm. is the week before the Magic Minute So, whereas I was going to tip him out today, I'm going to delay that three weeks and try and have a crack at the wave because it's tremendous money for that horse and and the older, he gets in really well as a three-year-old at that distance at weight grades this time of year. I think he gets 53 or 53 and a half and the older horses have to give him five kilos. So that that won't be an easy task for them, I would have thought.
3: Uh, Good on you, Lee. We'll look forward to seeing you at the Millions. Cheers. See ya. Lee Friedman joining us there. Uh, he just seems to be pretty happy, just flying under the radar these days, almost semi-retirement, enjoying the the Gold Coast
0: lifestyle. Lee Friedman. Hard to tell with Lee. I got to say, it's very hard to tell whether he's mopey or happy. I got to say. I uh, will tell you what, did you happen to see the win of Far Too
3: Easy in the Lock and oh, A up gee, there?
4: Yeah. Dominant. Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely dominant.
3: absolutely arrogant. So I think it goes to maybe the Millions Cup on Magic Millions Day, and it comes through the Kosciuszko and the Ramorni, but it uh,
4: it put in a career best performance up there on Saturday. Yeah, look, he's a pretty handy horse, far too easy, and he's got quite an um, eye-catching action. And where his markings are, it's like he sort of hits out and you notice the white yeah, on him yeah, and yeah. everything else. But, yeah, he was totally dominant. Dollar fifty five favourite in from a dollar ninety five. It's the only one they wanted to be with, wasn't it? And yeah, he's very effective. Any conditions, he's he's sort of capable to that listed Group Three level. But when he gets his toe into the track, he goes to a, a different level, and that's what he did good on, on to, Saturday. Good to hear that the track seems to be going forward in a good way
0: because there had been a lot of rumblings about it. It's yet to be proven how it'll race on the day, but um, the signs are good. Uh, we'll take a quick break because then I want to talk about the Caulfield day. And it was
3: probably uh, more the jockeys than the horses we were talking about. A couple of nice performances as well. And I'll get to a lot more of your SMSs. Uh, we've got a few racing issues to talk about. We'll touch on the Inner Dominion and also the Phoenix a little later in the program as well. Ryan Fiel and Jason Adams to give us the roundup on what were two outstanding uh, features in the harness and greyhound world. All that's still to come. <music>
2: On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict. Alhambra Lad at the 150, Regal
1: Power challenges the outside, then Herman Hess. Regal Power took the front from Alhambra Lad, Herman Hess, Grand Pierro, and it's Regal Power, today's the day. Piaggio, Montatha at the 100, followed by Isha. It's Piaggio sprinting up in the middle, kicking hard. Piaggio, a neck. Piaggio, Piaggio beat Montatha. Isha. Is it me is moving up on the outside of it. It's Pink Bow Tie. about a neck, now a half head to Is It Me, who claims. It. Is it me? Takes the lead and surges on. Nice gelding. Is it me? Is it me? Won it by a a quarter. Pink bow tie He's
3: building a nice record, is it me? As is Celine Gaudry who was at her brilliant best at Caulfield on Saturday. As I mentioned at the top of the program, a treble to Celine Gaudry, a double to Tatum Bull and also a double to Dylan Brown uh, McMonagle. So it was a, a great day for multiples for the jockeys on Saturday, but I think Celine's one that oh, we know you've been singing the praises of for a long, long time, Maddie. I thought her first win, that win on Regal Power, where she just said to Will Price, I'm not having any of this, uh, and just absolutely hammered him back into <laughs> uh, behind. It, it showed the, the strength and power that she's not scared of anyone.
0: No, she's just got the perfect personality too. She seems would wouldn't in her mouth. And I remember <laughs> three or four years ago when my kids were going down to Mick. Kent's on a Sunday, there's a guy, very smart guy that worked for Mick called Graham, who used to train as well, who keeps saying, we're, Mick and I were always talking about, God, you see Jamie Carr on the weekend? Well, what about what she did there and that? And he's saying, I'm telling you bikes now, Jay, this Celine Gaudre um, is the one, and um, she is. You can't help but think, how does she compare to Jamie Carr? Does she ride the same? Is she heading in the same direction? Is she as good? Is she going to be as good? Um, I think she's an absolute megastar, and, you know, when you think about post Ollie, like, who are we going to be celebrating next? You know, who would have thought you'd, uh, 10, 15 years ago that that, that that could the next absolute great be a female? You know, you'd never have thought that. So. Well, I think J-Mac's J- the obvious at the moment. Well, Jamie Carr's uh, also, no hmm. doubt, and yeah, we can talk a, about...
3: Oh No, I, yeah. I agree, but there's a fair difference in Group 1 victories um, when we're, we're rating them from that, and Jamie Carr hopefully has got a lot of more Group 1 winners yeah. I- I- to come, but I had... Gouchy in the studio last Tuesday and we know he's involved in the Apprentice School here at Racing Victoria along with Alf Matthews and he said that the biggest change that he's noticed and he sees for the future is that the female jockeys will be the dominators because there are not that many young men coming through, not that many teenagers coming through. Did he have any
4: thoughts on why that is, whether it's a physique aspect? No, he said
3: said it's, you go to any pony club, and I get to see it um, every week because my daughter's in pony club, you go to pony club and that has been a pathway now into riding work in racing stables and then becoming a jockey for a lot of these female apprentices. There would be a ratio of about 10 to 1 at any pony right. club of 10 girls and one boy when they're starting out learning to ride and falling in love with it. And that's what is starting to be
0: perpetuated through into now working at racing stables and then ultimately becoming a jockey. Yeah, man. well, that's just been happening. That trend has been going on for a long time now. And, you know, like going back five or six years, the ratio girls to boy was still heavily girl to boy. And now we're getting to the stage where it's more heavily girl to boy, and you, you talk to Pony Club Australia and they just can't recruit boys. Um, it's, girls, it's girls' pursuit, it's, as is race riding. So the, the, next, the next people we're going to be talking about in racing, and I know I rave on about this, is they're all female. They're not male. This is the sport that's been dominated by males for 300 years. The stars of the future are almost exclusively female. Because all the jockeys of the future will almost exclusively be
4: female. I, I reckon, and you often see it in the off-season, don't you, there's that moment where and apprentice has that breakout day. I know it doesn't come as a shock that Celine Gaudrey's has had a good day on a Saturday, but that's the best I've seen her ride across yeah. a particular meeting. Piaggio like
0: her, in the perfect the spot. Piaggio, and, and, her, and her pulse doesn't race. Like she just gets off everywhere and goes, "Yeah, that's great." The I'll move Piaggio on to next
4: win. She was entitled to with the pressure over that last 400 metres, there was a horse inside, there was a horse outside, there was three of them effectively going together. He'd been exposed and potentially you would have thought Piaget would have continued on and maybe won a little bit easier. But she didn't panic, just kept him going strong. She can really get them to... It's one of those jockeys that when she gets into them and gets low and starts to push, they do respond. Yeah. And you can see it. And he definitely was a classic example of that, responding under pressure um, for Celine. And then the Is It Me ride... That was a lot easier, but just the time, timing was perfect into the right spot of the track. Went through, gave the horse what it needed, which was a bit of a clear air to, to sort of build and hit its stride. It, yeah, she, she didn't make many mistakes, if any, on Saturday. And you just watch those replays and think, okay, maybe this is the launch pad.
0: Oh, she's it's not the. It's, she's not overnight. She's been doing no, this. This has yeah, not been an absolute. Yeah,
4: but, big but as a collective, she
0: wrote four at Sandown six months ago. As <laughs> a collective, those were those were bloody. Yeah, good yeah, guys. they were. One thing that's different about Celine uh, Gaudre and Holly Doyle to say Jamie Carr is physically, Jamie Carr is very slight. Celine Gaudrey. ...is a unit. Like, she's very, very powerful. She's a really powerful physical specimen. Holly Doyle's the same. Holly Doyle's like a pocket rocket. So whether that gives them a little... They may not be as good as Jamie Carr, but they might have a little physical oomph that she may, may, maybe doesn't have. And let's not forget Tatum. Mm, I on Her ride
3: on... My boy, Birmingham. It was like you'd pick up the form guide from the early 80s, late 70s. 66 and a half kilos... She took three kilos off. He still wins with 63.5. Phenomenal effort from Tony and Calvin McAvoy. But her ride to dominate that race with the big weight, keeping him rolling,
4: keeping his momentum going, it was was outstanding. Yeah, it was. Timing was everything there, and the little clock in her head getting the sectionals right. You know, the horse was in an absolute happy place bowling along. Uh, controlling the race, but running it at a tempo where it was going to be difficult for them to to sort of make any meaningful ground, it's a benchmark 70. You know, we're into the off-season now. Rides are as important as anything because the the quality of the horse is so even in these benchmark races, particularly on a Saturday when everyone's chasing a, a metro win, you get a good ride like that, and it's a difference between, you know, a $31 winner and a $31 fourth place getter. Could Celine Gaudre win, an, win the jockey's title
0: in the next three years? Apprentice title? No, jockey title. Um,
3: well, there's a possibility. Um, depends. Because Carr, no one
0: ever thought Carr it. You
3: were prone to big sweeping statements. You are. Oh. But...
4: Pot Kettle Black over there. No way. (laughs) In the last three weeks, Matt
3: Matt Stewart said there were three greatest trainers of all time that he's ever seen. One different one
0: every week. (laughs) Did I? Yeah. Annabelle? um, No, I never said that. I said her trajectory was the greatest. You you have a problem with things going through (laughs) in your ears. I,
3: I, I would be surprised if she is the number one jockey in Victoria within three years, when we've still got the likes of Damien Lane, Jamie Carr,
0: um, Mark Zara, uh, Craig Williams. A lot of those ones take long they times huge, off. They ride carnivals. I'm talking about the one that's going to be riding week in week, week in, week out. Week in, week out.
3: Yeah, but she could most definitely be, I'd say, top five. But No one thought Jamie Carr could win within it the first year she won it. Um, that, would be a, that would be huge. Well, because your challenge, when you machine. lose your apprentice claim, you know how difficult that is. I don't she's think, still
0: claiming too. Yeah, I don't think she's going to struggle with that. I think she's going to be one of those rare ones that will maintain that momentum. She's very, she's she's hugely popular now amongst the big trainers. She's have, hugely popular. Have you just coined a nickname? Celine Machine. It, is it your word? No, that's very been a, around, been a, around a, while. a while. Has it? Yeah, and Carleen machine. machine. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. okay. <laughs> I don't think they like them particularly, the nicknames, um, but they've got them.
3: Speaking of rides, Sharky, what did yes. you make of Jamie Carl's ride on
4: Jambalaya? That she went too early? Yeah. I, I watched that and thought, uh, why are we getting going before the 600? And the horse quickened away and looked awesome. She... I know she... It would appear that she has incredible confidence in this horse's ability, but I think even she would admit... That she
3: uh, well because he wanted to overrate slightly as well,
4: yeah, yeah. it Just went went too early. Uh, it may I, not I, have made I, I a difference. Ginger and Pink was pretty dominant in the end, but oh, well. I think it probably did make a difference. She can't. I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the sectionals yet, but seemed to be seemed to be a little early to, to push the go button again. We we, it's a horse with good ability, but it's a benchmark seventy. Mm. It it's not. If he's going to be a stakes horse, it still has to come. That was start number two. Anyway, that was my view of it. What do you make of, on the other end of the scale, uh, she rode beautifully to get Traffic Warden
3: home in the first cutting the corner there. Um, I'm, it's hard to,
4: to judge these two olds, isn't it? Wasn't Duff keen on that? on Saturday well, morning when I spoke to you. And I just, you know, oh, Traffic Warden, oh, it'll win. Yeah, because it'll be winning. I think you think, wow, hang on. Quite
3: possibly the best two-year-old we've seen so far is the horse it ran into on debut, Storm Boy.
4: Yeah, well, that proves the form, doesn't it, to an extent. And I think the runner-up is a pretty nice horse. Express yourself, um, good effort to an easer at its first start and then goes forward, which is, you like to sort of see that with two-year-olds, they're able to adapt to different Positions and that's what express yourself did, and with with a good good level of ability on on Saturday, just uh, not good enough for traffic wardens. And, so,
3: and speaking yeah. of jockeys, been in the in the in the zone, Dylan Brown McMonagle, uh, it's a mouthful, but he's getting the good rides, but he's making. All the right moves at the moment. I thought that went on Boldino and Running By on the weekend, especially Running By. He's a horse that you got to get going. He looked like he was
4: under pressure coming to the turn, but, yeah. gee, he was strong luck. Needed to get out of a little pocket there and, and did that and built the revs at the right time. What are we going to call Dylan, Matty? D- well, is he D-N- going to hang around long enough to develop a nickname? Well, it can't be the machine. No, because it doesn't rhyme. What rhymes with C- McMonagle?
0: That's a challenge for our listeners. If anyone can come up with a word that rhymes with McMonigle. Give us us a Dylan Brown, McMonigle. It's got
4: to be DBM, sure. Yeah, probably. Catch Um, cry.
0: Hey, can I just say, my mate Mick McDonald has always been a hapless owner like the rest of us. He's a major shareholder in Express Yourself, and he somehow manages to be—I think—the managing owner or one of the, the big owners in—is it me? Wow! So, what a day! <laughs> Mac like us. Maca doesn't—you know—he doesn't. That doesn't happen. So uh, well done to Macca, and he can be a bit of an, a sharky. He can be a bit of an over celebrator.
4: So. <laughs> Um, At least he owns the horses he's celebrating in. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> You're just a coattailsman. <laughs>
3: uh, good good luck, uh, to Tamaka. Um, here we go. There's a few SMSs coming through here. Uh, hi, guys. Interested to hear your thoughts on Commander Harry's most deserving win. We ran second to Hotatsu in a maiden and second in the Vars. He was good,
0: strong um, on the weekend. I was on VASME so I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, Vasmi was enormous because he had to do the card up to the runaway leader. So He did, but does he run a really strong 2000, Vasmi? I'm not sure. He'll get the day because he's a big brute where he'll own a race like that, but everything has to line up for him. Uh, Celine is going to be an excellent
3: long term rider, but Maddie, you can't say Celine is an absolute megastar yet. There's no need to put that
0: pressure onto her, comparing her to Jamie Carr. I just think she can win a premiership because she's going to be the constant every weekend, like uh, Jamie Carr was the year she won the premiership when all the others are flitting around and going to Ibiza and riding the carnivals. It was the chalking up, the continual chalking up. Have any blokes heard of Damien Lane? He's easily our best jockey. Best jockey doesn't always win the
3: premiership. Another one here saying, Selina's equal to Jamie Carr and about to overtake her. Wow. Um, so I don't know how you texted that in while you are on air, right? Maddie, it's a but big anyway. call. Um,
0: I just know how good she is.
3: <laughs> how many Group is it... 1 winners has Jamie Carr won? Matty, Rachel King is a
0: better big-time rider. I don't think though. the scoreboard is in any way helpful when it comes to assessing who the great jockeys are of the moment and at the time and all that sort of stuff, because the scoreboard's... Disproportionate to what's happening in real time.
4: Did you see the vision on social media of uh, Rachel King signing autographs at the races? Yep. Did you see it? they were queued up yep. to to meet her, get a photo, and and shake her hand and and get an autograph? Like kids as well. Like, yeah. And they the, they were all smiles. And she's uh, so was she. She seems she's, I don't, she's no, she seems very approachable, great. and and very affable. And well, you know, happy to if play if that role. If we were to come up with an interesting sort of like sidelight of,
0: of <laughs> whose year has it really been in racing and who, who has risen above the expectation. Like, it, It's nearly been the year of Rachel King. If you think about riding in Japan, the Hong Kong, the Group One, um, gee, if you were to come up with a list of the surprise stories of 2023, I reckon Rachel King would be right up there. Is she still just a little bit
4: under the radar?
0: Well, she's on it now. She would have been, but um, I just think she's had. She got married. You know, all these weird things have happened to her. Like it's getting not married. weird getting married. Yeah, it's weird for you, well, <laughs> but not most people. I'm looking at the stats. <laughs> Oh, mate, don't, don't you take anything for granted either? <laughs> don't you take anything for I'm granted? i hanging
4: on. Don't <laughs> worry. I'll, I'll over here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, we've got a couple of SMSs coming through for nicknames. Um, McMiracle will do. Uh, that's from uh, Lee. And uh, here's one. I'm not a massive Harry Potter man, but this one, um, the professor has sent in after Professor. McGon- uh, <laughs> McGonagall. Can you help us out, Mikey? Here, who is this person? Professor McGonagall. Okay, from Harry Potter. Yep. So there you go. Then just call him the professor. I think we have heard someone We've else had called one the professor, before, but we can go again. <laughs> uh, Mr. Cool. How about that for a, a nickname as well? So you keep- know what I like? Like it's like very
0: like basic. Just call him the Irishman. The Irishman. The Irishman. Just not, keep it
4: simple. The Irishman. Not married, Rachel King, I believe.
0: Oh no, no, uh, um, engaged. Okay. Just Google Rachel King Engage. See, I told you they don't they fall over pretty quickly, <laughs> Falgate. Oh, <dear> <laughs> oh, I'm uh, you can't say that. Everything's going swimmingly well
3: for Rachel, we understand. <laughs> uh, I'm doing a do now, I'm interested in doing a bit of Googling. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break while Maddie gets online once again. Uh, <laughs> and when we come back, uh, there's a few issues we want to discuss, including Jamie Carr. We had the the finally the culmination of that white powder, the saga. Uh, we want to talk a bit about the Greyhounds and also the harness. Although Still to come.
2: On RSN's Racing Pulse,
3: this is the verdict. Up the rise, a node, three lengths clear, Amazing
1: Eagle, goes into a clear second, a length and a half away, then came Sardelli, making some ground under a vigorous ride, a node's going well though inside the 150, charging to the line, a node, well clear, and a node's going to lead all the way from Amazing Eagle. Look, no, nothing less um, than what we expect from the, again, Adrian Sable, but he, he jumped well, he put himself there, he's quite casual, I still had to sort of just keep reminding him, um, but I love the way he really
0: knuckled down that last furlong, and he's got a great ad- he, he wants to win, and he's still learning. So when the penny drops, he's going to
3: be even nicer. So there you go. That that was Ms. Uh, Rachel King uh, <laughs> writing. No, I'm desperately still trying to
0: <laughs> writing a note. Early wedding gift on cards for Rachel King. This is from July. Da, 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 da. So he proposed her a, a surprise proposal when they were in England. Oh, hang on. Oh, no, no, they're still together. Yeah, yeah, no, all good still. Well, I'm not sure if she's officially married, but she will be very
3: soon. Uh, One thing that is indisputable is another Saturday, another good two year old that is produced by by the Gay Waterhouse Audrey and Botstable. It's incredible. They're on
4: fire. The run they're having. It was
3: an
0: I'm Invincible, wasn't it? On
4: fire. Yes, yes, it was. And it had been trying I know Amazing Eagle sort of had all the headlines on that. Back of that trial, that seven and a half length trial win, the, the capitalist cult. But um, that was the other thing I took out of that conversation with Ron Davisi on Saturday morning. He, he said, "Oh, I just getting what nags me is um, Gerald Ryan saying mm, that was a bit of a surprise that trial performance. So maybe, I'm not sure. In the maybe the horse didn't run poorly, but you would have thought off that trial that it'd be going the races and winning. Although I know it had." trialled twice and, and looked quite sharp too. But Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott's two-year-olds, oh, my God. Look, if you want to have a horse that goes to one of those major two-year-old races, you, you're increasing your chance of getting one that gets to the race by well, by having something with them.
0: And it's, it's it's all connected to the Hunter Valley breeders and stuff as well. And, you know, when the Snowdens and the Hawks were the ones who kept getting all those million-dollar yearlings, like, Gay is still obviously... The, one of the first people that people call for, for a really expensive yielding, Definitely. Which yeah. which she wasn't 10 years ago. She'd fa- she'd faded from that, I reckon. But now she's. Uh, and Adrian Bott's got to take a lot of credit, obviously. There's no doubt about it. Uh, well, the top. Th- and I know, Sharky, you take these with a grain
3: of salt. But the top three in the market for the Golden Slipper right now Shangri La Express, uh, trained by Gay and Adrian. Stormboy, trained by Gay and Adrian. Um. And then um, you've got Bodyguard, who's an expert. So, sorry, I thought a note was a bit higher up. You can still get 26 bucks a note in the Golden Slipper betting, I think. Is Bold Bastille another one of theirs as well? well
0: um, it's the one that won up the straight over Cup Week that I thought, gee, they'd want to be a really good one. to be better than that. Oh, no, Bold Bastille's the, the Hayes horse that won on Cox Plate Day by five lengths. Which won up the straight? It won up the straight during Cup Week, and it was the, one of the few two-year-old races, and it, I just remember thinking, oh... Uh, this I don't know if it was a gay Waterhouse horse or not, but it was. I'm not, I'm, I'd be surprised if it wasn't in those markets, but I can't remember its name. Uh, Marabodon maybe. i will have, sure. have, have to been, go back yeah. through it. Um, we need to take a break for the 10 o'clock news. I'm going to get to
3: those SMSs, uh, a few other racing issues we want to put on the agenda as well. Have you got something to put on the agenda? There was a nice tribute to Opie Bossum in New Zealand on the weekend and uh, they had their official retirement ceremony for Equinox in Japan as well. We'll talk a bit about the Inter-Dominion and the Phoenix, all that's still to come.
2: Placing their opinion on the line, it's The Verdict.
3: It is a verdict. Make sure your SMS is 041 290 50 52 Anything you want to talk about from a huge weekend of racing. Um, we'll talk a, a couple of little issues, Maddie, We finally saw the culmination or the result of the drawn out, it must be said, uh, Jamie Carr saga involving the white powder. And I think most people were pretty happy that the result came the way it did that it was pretty emphatic from the judge said that um, whilst she may have been a bit silly for putting herself in that position there is no way that you could have formed the view or sustained the charge of bringing racing into disrepute or a poor poor image for racing because she wasn't the one that disseminated the image and she didn't know it was being put out on social media
0: yeah i'm glad it fell that way um Jamie Carr's comments to News Limited it's been the most challenging and testing year but I'm so relieved that I can put it behind me and focus on racing and being happy I thought that last bit was an interesting insight into how she wants to go about her life you know I just want to be happy type thing um and as you say, the Judge Bowman said, your behaviour may have been immature, irresponsible and reckless, but there are two important features of it which led us to our conclusion, and that was all about not knowing that it was happening and that it was being transferred on social media and so on. So I know the stewards department um, works independently, which they should do, but I,
3: I wonder whether they would look back... Oh, we've just got a bit of breaking news coming in. Actually, Hoss, you've probably read this article... You come in with a bit of breaking news.
2: So it's been officially announced at 10 o'clock through the uh, Stock Exchange that Tabcorp has officially won sole rights to the Victorian wagering licence for the next 20 years in a deal that ends its long bidding war with a number of the wagering operators. Tabcorp has held the licence since ninety four, and confirmed to the ASX this morning that the Victorian government has committed to a new deal. It's an existing agreement, uh, the current agreement is due to expire in August. Under the new deal Tabcorp will pay upfront payment of $600 million in June and $30 million in annual fixed payments from 25 to 2043 which would take the payment to $1.1 billion. Tabcorp said the payments are not linked to inflation so the value is actually $864 million. so there'd been obviously a lot of discussion around the future would the government stay with Tabcorp or go with maybe a split of wagering operators and Tabcorp, but uh, they've given sole rights for the next... Uh, I think that's the next player. The, the the 20 years is a substantial period. I think this one, I'm going off memory, could have been 10 or 12, I think, this one.
0: Mm, yeah, uh, around 10, 15 years. Yeah. Is so, it surprising in a way given the lack of retail now and someone with the tab. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to get my head around whether this is a uh, is it's, it, it, it's, it's a, a curveball or
2: whether it was expected. Or? I think in the marketplace it probably is expected, uh, but uh, you never quite know until a government make a decision. So I guess that's now. Uh, it'll be interesting how Tabcorp now create the next part of their life because their marketplace has changed in the last five to ten years uh, uh, with so many wagering operators going against. So now that they've got a commitment of 20 years, it will be interesting just to see how they... Uh, give their business a kick knowing that they've now got this. And under what conditions, with the looming restrictions of gambling, advertising and things like that, what will be the
0: parameters of, of how they go about their business?
2: Yeah, there'll be a lot more coming out on this. It's just been released by the ASX, so uh, but it's 20 years and it's Tabcorp, so uh, it'll be interesting the next play is mm. in this.
0: Good I on you, boss. Know. Thank know. you for Woody that. When he barged in, I thought, hang on, hang on.
2: I thought, what have we done
3: wrong here? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll try and get Adam Wright and Skilled, who is the boss of Tab, on tomorrow's program. We'll probably also try and get um, one of the bosses from Racing Victoria because how this shapes the racing industry, obviously, um, 600 million up front is going to be huge, and that's exactly what the industry needs at the moment when there is a downturn in wagering, but 20... Can you even begin Mm. to imagine what what the the wagering landscape would look like in 20 years from now, when you think how much it's changed from 20 years ago? Why would...
0: And given that, why would they have
3: made it a 20-year Well, that's a good question Mm. to ask, and obviously Tabcorp wanted to lock it in for as long as possible, but... Does the government, and it's a government decision. It's not a racing mm. Victoria decision. The government maybe wants some stability, some guarantee as to what returns mm. they will be getting, and um, the industry can get as well. So between years, is a long time.
4: They'll have their own projections as well, though, on what they expect things to look like, and there'll be short, long, mid-term. Patterns that they've analysed and whatever else, but it is that that is a long, that is a long and I, time.
3: And I think that Tabcook, tab by their own admission, would say that they need to lift their game. The corporates have overtaken them from that digital space, so they obviously, as part of their pitch, would have put together a vision
0: for what their future looks like from a punter's point of view. And given the looming restrictions on gambling, advertising, and, and, and bonuses and all that sort of stuff, maybe. The tab would feel that the corporates have had their wings clipped or are about to have their wings clipped and that mm, the attention and that the, the sort of the, the bells and whistles that the corporates were offering, maybe Tab Corp also know maybe the state government knows that they won't have that head start on, on Tab Corp in the future. Who knows? Yeah, mm. it might, might all be evened out. So. Well I know at the start of the bidding process there
3: had been a great deal of expectation that it could have been a a very competitive um process with the corporates and the tab but in the end I think it almost got to a situation where the tab was was left as an only man standing I think a Mm -hmm. number of the
0: corporates actually backed away getting towards the end yep just as far as Jamie Carr goes, just to sort of round off on that, I, hopefully she's now got a bit of clear air, um, she's had a really tumultuous couple of years, hopefully she's get the life balance, the mental balance going, doesn't run into any more strife, just maybe this, hopefully this is the the, the clear pathway now. What One thing do you I, was, think? I was going to touch on, Sharky, do you, and... and The stewards
3: are totally separate from Racing Victoria. They work autonomously, as they should. You you don't want to have any pressure when it comes to things like that. But do you think they would sit back and maybe review what they do at the end of the year, how much money they spend on these cases? Yeah. Because from an outsider looking in, it looked like a a case where it was going to be a lose-lose situation from the industry and sports reputation as much as what Jamie Carr's was, and it almost looked like a bit of an overreach to the general person in the street as to how they viewed
0: a charge like that for the situation. And Mm. even the language in the inquiry from the the Racing Victoria lawyers, from the industry lawyers, was a bit gotcha-ish, you know? Yes. Don't you think?
4: Yes, I agree with that. You wonder, yeah. I, we were discussing this in Perth over the weekend, weren't we? That maybe it could have been handled differently, behind the scenes, potentially. Call quicker. her in, say, mm. hmm, this isn't a great situation, but. There's no upside. How are we handling this without from without a, pursuing had she,
0: it? Had she pleaded guilty, would it have
4: been done quicker? Well, you would but, hope it would have, but I mean, there's no, but there was no you, general just, upside from a public perspective. You couldn't plead guilty to that because it wasn't... Well... She had a case to argue. Yeah. So you're not going to come out and say, yeah, I bought racing into disrepute.
0: When Well, 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 it's probably... It's more of an off-air discussion about what she could have said to the stewards. And, you know, anyway, but... Well, the other part of it is... The the other part of it is... I mean,
3: there were some highly respected big names that were on the panel that made the decision. I think they made the right decision
0: in the end, but, geez, it took a long time. I think there was a way where it could have been done a lot quicker. Mm. But it's...
4: Yeah. Inquiries in general just seem to take t- too long. Uh, I think that if there's a, uh, a speedier way to get an outcome, it probably should be investigated, well, shouldn't it? Look but look at the cobalts and they the just drag, elevated they stuff. They just drag on. Yeah. Like this, yeah. It seems, seems unnecessary. Speaking of
0: things dragging on for too long, the barrier process. I mean, I've been noticing it and I tweeted something and I got some really interesting responses along the lines of what we were talking about. And... Uh, uh, about other places in the world where it happens really quickly and, you know, uh, the longer horses dilly-dally and, and don't move in, the more erratic at the start of a race can be. It seems to be worse here than anywhere else. Maybe it seems worse because we've got so much racing, but I reckon there's a, just a terrible epidemic of horses playing up, um, too much time being taken with horses at the barriers. Are our horses not proper, not as well barrier-educated as horses in other parts of the world? If not, why? Why? I just think it's ridiculous. I can't watch a race now without there being a hold-up, and it's just ridiculous. Yeah, Look, it it happens all the time. I wonder
3: whether the difference we see, and what I noticed over in Japan, and what you see in Hong Kong on a Sunday, is that there seems to be at least one handler for a horse, uh, and that's why they get them loaded so quickly, and there doesn't seem to be as many playing up Behind the barriers or in the barriers. Uh, uh, is there something wrong with our barriers? Our, Why are we uh,
0: getting so claustrophobic? Our barrier our our attendants
3: are considered to be, um, by the jockeys, the best in the world. But I think there's a vast number in uh, the amount of handlers that we have compared to other jurisdictions or the Asian jurisdictions, especially.
0: Yeah, well, and you can, the one hand you can have good barrier attendants, but on the other hand, you can have horses that are good in the barriers where you don't need a good barrier attendant. So I don't know; it just it just seems utterly ridiculous what, what I'm watching every day of the week. Every day, every every race is delayed because some
4: horse doesn't out. Wow, well, and the, every race is delayed because they're delayed. Like, and, and there's the theory that you know races are delayed so we get as much possible time to get people.
0: No, I know that. But I'm talking bear. about when horses play up. I'm not talking about that sort of delay. I'm talking about the one where but clearly playing
4: up horse... because of the time. You know, you start loading, yeah. and then it's it, it's you know well, yeah. just a little bit longer, a little yeah. bit longer, a little bit, longer, and then something goes off. Oh, of course, think... it does because it's been standing there for two minutes longer than it has a, to. I think
0: It's a big issue because the longer horses stay in barriers, the worse, the more scattered the start becomes because some just and then the speed maps go out the window. Oh, I think it's a really big issue.
3: Hey, we've got an interesting day coming up today and tonight as far as Packenham and Cranbourne are concerned. We'll have uh, Cranbourne CEO Neil Bainbridge on tomorrow, but it's the members' vote today about um, having a super club. They need 75% of the vote uh, at the AGMs to see this be given the green light. I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't be in favour of it, but I don't know the actual ins and outs as far as what the
0: paid-up members of these clubs would get, but can you see a stumbling block I can't see a stumbling block. I just think it's, as you say, well, what's the reason not to? You know, what well, well, what's advantage of us of not voting? So, there was a big meeting at the week, MRC isn't it? last week as well, which I don't know what came out of it, but it certainly was a meeting of significance with the board and future directions and affordabilities and things like that, but uh, wouldn't want to upset anyone there, so that's about it. <laughs> um...
3: We'll take a break. There's a few SMSs I want to get through. And then on the other side of this, as we wind things up, um, we'll touch on the Inters and the Phoenix. And I also want to touch on Opie Bossom, who had a milestone moment in New Zealand on the weekend.
2: On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict. Here comes move to strike up on the outside. It's ranged up. Opie looking for win
5: number 2000 and New Zealand takes the lead. Move to strike. Yeah, what
3: a big moment! We've been talking a lot about Australia's greatest. Uh, we just get to see New Zealand's greatest turn it on on the weekend. Opie Bossen, two thousand career wins. He's forty. How old is he? Forty three, I think. Yeah. Opie is. Ollie retires at fifty one. Ollie had three thousand one hundred eighty nine wins. Opie's got over a hundred Group Ones in New Zealand. Uh, I'm pretty sure as well. So um, he's had a pretty pretty good Spring Carnival, Opie. And gee, that. It was a pretty smart win as well. All um, the
0: days to have a significant event <laughs> as a jockey. He's what's going on over in Perth and his Opie going off. off have run 2,000 winners. Um, he's the best New Zealand jockey no. of all time. Of, of those who was domestic, his whole he's whole career, so basically. Good. You know. He's so good. Just Walker, Mr. Walker Reliable. Said, Walker said he was the best yeah. jockey. So, oh, he's a superstar, Opie Bosson. And looking forward to him and Imperatrix. Bouncing back together, which would be lovely in the
4: autumn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 525,000. Moved to strike cost at was the Magic bought at Magic's, so it's from... Out uh, of one of the old Pat Mears,
0: no evidence needed. I remember her. moroni has got a grouse to you right over there at the moment as well. He was keeps
4: telling us, so that'll bob up in the next week or so again as well. Tis a season now, isn't it? You know, you get your early spring carnival, two-year-old races and whatnot. But I think the closer you get to Christmas, that Christmas, New Year window, because remember Blue Diamond uh, previews and preludes come Mm. around Mm. relatively quickly, don't they? Sort of the next four or five weeks on Australia Day, you start to see some of the real sharp ones now. When
0: I think about our summer racing in town, I actually think about two-year-olds. It's when the two-year-olds keep kicking off, isn't
4: it, over summer?
3: Uh, a few SMSs just to round out the program. Uh, speaking of drawn out sagas, what's going on with Darren
0: Weir? Who knows? Oh, I, I can think check.
3: They've but made a date. I think they have yeah. early in the new year. I'll get you to Google that, um, and we can double check. Um, great show this morning. Assume Maddie has fully recovered from his eyebrow lift. No, it wasn't an eyebrow lift. He's had a you nose was, nose job. There was. I was butchered three times. Third time lucky. They so, got. So uh, he's gone for those who are wondering for the. Um, I think it was, in the end, the... Who's the Australian actress that you were very familiar with? Margot Robbie. He's gone for the Margot Robbie. No, I was going to go for an Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> hey, um, uh, I t- agree with Matty. Horses won't go in first time. They should be scratched. Don't take a horse to the races if it's not educated. Um, That's kind of where i going with it. Matt if you can't educate
0: on. a horse, um, you're not going to the races.
3: Yep. Uh, there's a few here talking about the tab um and the length of time, twenty years we
0: just heard that they have now re signed as the We'll be flying um, exclusive around spaceships then. Um <laughs> Trots and Dogs, just quickly before we round off. Well, we do now, I know Shark, but you know, like as cars. Yeah. Yeah. I just like
4: what pops into your head Jetson, sometimes.
0: Jetson. How old were you being twenty years? Oh, fair income. What? Old, how more, old were you, Shaky? I'll tell you what. No, one more super tooth, and you're going to I, garra- I, I go. guarantee you this. No, I'm honestly oh, running out of what? steam for it. I guarantee it. you this. Word.
4: In twenty years time, he'll still be wearing the magic elephant t-shirt. Uh,
0: <laughs> just with the just with the trotting dogs. Um, you're going to have a chat to the Trots and Dogs people. I actually think the, in every way, the Phoenix was a bigger event than the Inter-Dominion. Phoenix has been around for three years. Well, is it, uh, yeah, I, I agree, but it was, one was held in Brisbane, one was held in Melbourne. We've had Inter-Dominions in Brisbane before and they were huge. Village Kid, all that. Like, there was a time where it didn't matter where it was. It was huge. Just San Simeon, Tasmania and all that. It's so back a while. Yeah. Yep. Um, but... I just wonder where. There's a lot of talk. Ryan Phelan actually wrote a piece about it, and then Adam and all those guys chipped in as well. Uh, the Inter Dominion's in total crisis. It's just a complete waste. But we had a couple of stars win, you know. Um, Mate, no one ever knew it was on. It's it's, it's 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 whether it's a calendar placement or whether it's just run its race. The uh, whether do you follow it at all? Harvest uh, race. I know enough about the, the fact that w- why weren't the New Zealanders coming? What's the go with these big races in Perth at the same time as there's two there's two million dollar races in the in the in the harness. In Australasia, and they're both on the same night uh, on opposite sides of Australasia.
3: Well, it was only a few years ago the the inter Dominion nearly did die. Um, it was mm. it was saved and brought back. And you're probably right that the, it hasn't had the same luster as its golden years. But yeah, I mean, the, the wins of yeah. to Fame and Just Believe were were brilliant on the weekend. And Ryan's going to join me in studio
0: yep. between eleven and eleven thirty. So and we'll discuss this. He has got this. strong views. Yeah. He has got strong views, and I think the. I really think, this is just my little take on greyhounds, they've got to encourage the distance races more. Like, to me, uh, the Phoenix, everything about it was great. There's just too much, it's all over after two steps. I mean, but in the in the, the extra lap races, they can recover. Like, the Palawa Kings and that, missed the start, work their way through, it's a better spectacle. I'd love to see greyhound racing encourage um, the staying races because it's it's a better look, it's safer... All everything about it is better, um, and maybe even a slot race for the for the stayers.
4: About the match race, would you I think love of that? the match race?
0: Uh, match racing and ground racing is sensational, mm, isn't it? Cool, isn't it? It is encouraging and, more. Well, it takes more of that out of play. The biggest issue, and that's the interference. Yep, I, I don't. And it's know. a one-on-one. Anyone can get the head around A versus B.
4: We're we're really lucky with greyhound racing to have. Um, the, the lead commentators, right, particularly out through this station, they're able to make mm. the dogs really accessible. Mm. I follow it more by the fact that I'm in the car a lot of the time in my work week and I hear a lot of that commentary. I think, oh, okay, Transponder, he sounds like a pretty cool dog. Yeah. Aussie Rocks, so there's a yeah. good story by Scalachi. So the story's there to go with the dog and then you find yourself, oh, okay, I'll watch that match race. I didn't have a bet on it although I did it sounded like um, we balance. should have listened to Jason well, Adams like, again, and, and Eddie but
0: I did have the balance with the account on
4: but Jason Adams and George Ferugia are so passionate and they're so good at being able to share that story and why you should take interest I don't and, I could not tell you the last time I've watched a, a harness race I, my interest is zero in harness racing right and that's I'm just being honest mm, mm. Uh, nothing grabs me out of it, mm, mm. but the dogs—I don't know—they just it's, seem to. But the two horse
0: contest, me. George Fridge is big on this. So you have a chat to Jason Adams as well. If you're trying to, if I'm trying to get my kids interested in greyhound racing or any eighteen, you know, any 17, 18 tw- to twenty five, if you if you throw them a, a, two, a two animal contest, yeah, like one on one, versus an interference marred race over five hundred and fifteen meters. That's why I like the seven hundred meter races. I can get someone interested in greyhound racing on a, on a one-against-one much easier than I can with any other selling point. Much easier. Mm. You know, you say, this is Transponder, this is Aussie Rocks, you know. Th- this- and here's their creds, you yeah, know, and they're yeah. both
4: good dogs. They're and this, both, one's this one's really one's fast, early. this one's super yeah. strong and loves the rails. And it's, it's an amazing spectacle. Because of the pattern, yeah. and, and that's what I enjoyed in the lead-up to the Phoenix with, with the box draw, the conversation around, oh, what's a bad box? What's a good box? This dog, oh, he likes to sort of lug this way. Or um, he'll go hard to the well, rails and she does this the, yeah. and she does that. So in your mind, you've got all of their little qualities, their characteristics, and then the boxes, and you think, oh, my God, and what's only, about to happen? Yeah, but,
0: but what happens when the box lids open for me for the shorter races is all of those what-may-happen things Bar one goes out the window. Well, a turn left, got knocked over, spun around the first turn, got spat out the back. Like to me, I think there are more satisfying elements of greyhound racing than that. Yeah,
4: to be honest, it's easier for the average person to pick it up and follow it. I think, and that was again going back to what we started the show with, around Ollie. The crowd on Saturday at Ascot were dialled into every one of his rides because you knew the story, you knew the colours, all you had to do was look in a race book, find the colours, and you were barracking for him through the field, which is what made those last three wins so loud because people were completely aware of where he was and the cheers started often, the, the first winner... Before the race was yeah. over, people were going nuts because um, you knew what the result was going to be and you were, but we're talking engaged about, with his We're talking narrative. About a, uh,
3: we're talking about an almost once-in-a-generation moment, though, Sharky. You can't have those no, days you week can in, do, week out with that connection.
4: What you can do is you can build content for a day or a story for a day around particular people, around a particular jockey, around a particular horse. Promote the ears off it. So people that are going, and this is a great time of year to do it, particularly when you know there's, there's not see, group one racing, I agree you've with got that. a focus point. I, I agree but with that, but I, th- I think that's why
3: you've both been a bit harsh on, on harness racing as a whole. I think those huge nights, like a hunter-cut night that it gets telecast on racing.com, I think you're instantly more engaged in it because those stories mm. are told. Now, the problem for harness racing at the moment is that it doesn't exist in the media. Um, Transmission, no. they do a great job, but that's, that's a very niche well, area. the
0: reading trainer got put out for six months and it didn't even appear in the media. So, so. Uh,
3: there is nothing in, in the papers anymore about it. So I, I think that is the biggest issue for Harness to make itself more relevant when we've got these big race days as well. Because the performances stand up. Yeah. Those horses are stars, which Ryan but will talk about. Just believe going around at $1.20, whatever. You know, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, you've got a lot of friends here. I've had a gut full of you two talking the trots down. I'm not even talking it down,
4: I'm
0: just saying that the inter-dominion's in a bit of trouble. Sharky, you're a plank.
4: Um, can't believe... What does that? What does that even mean? Can't because b- I don't like something I'm just, yeah. some made-up word. Can't d- believe what d- you guys started.
3: are talking about re-match uh, racing in greyhounds. It means six trainers lose the right to compete I will and be It's not
0: always about the participants. Not everything can be seen through the lens of the participants. And Just one last one on the greyhounds. If, if I I got two marketing companies and said you've got the challenge of marketing a two dog contest to people who don't follow greyhound racing or and the other one's got the job of marketing a race, I reckon the one that's got the the two dog contest would find it easier to promote that as an event to people than the actual race A couple of more SMS's as we say goodbye Inter Dominion was
3: broadcast on Sky Thoroughbred Central, switching between uh, the Ollie meeting, the coverage was great um, bugger off, Matt. If Leap to Fame... Uh, leap to Fame is my nieces is, and my nieces star I just believe were amazing. Um, bloody hell, can't believe what you guys are I talking about. It's talking to about. Grant
0: Dixon on Cracking the Codes.
3: Um, well, you might not be now. Um, so, look, I, I think it was a big moment for all three Codes, obviously, but because racing is the biggest. It gets the greatest exposure of them. And I thought Racing.com's coverage of the entire Greyhound Racing series has been absolutely yep. spectacular. Um, it's a it's a massive win for GRV to be getting someone like Damien Ratcliffe, who's come across from mm. the age, and mm. can have those connections. And I think they paid the money. There was almost a wraparound
0: pumping up the Phoenix, but we don't really get to see that too often for harness racing. Well, all I'm saying is I think the Phoenix was a bigger event than the Inter-Dominion. That's how it felt to me. And
3: we will talk about this on another occasion, but the void that's now in the age and what's happening there as far as racing's coverage is a big concern because they can't find anyone to take over Damien Ratcliffe's role as the racing editor, which... You know, there's not great coverage in the age at the best of times. And at the moment, when
0: they can't find someone to take up that role, it's very disappointing. Well, it's a big issue for racing generally. Uh, when I was a young, growing up, all those years ago, Michael, back in the 1850s, um, there was a lot of people who wanted to cover horse racing, but now it's it's symptomatic of the relationship racing's got with normal kids growing up and how many of them are interested in racing. Mm. Hey, boys, uh, it's been a good hour and a half. Uh, well, a couple of hours even.
3: Uh, we will see you, Maddie, yep. uh, coming up on uh, the Cracking, cracking codes. the Codes. And Sharknado, I'll see you in the new year because I won't be here on Friday, so you have a good Chrissy with your family.
4: Yes, you too, Michael. I'll see you, Matt, on I'll Friday. I'll see you out the back, Jimmy. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we'll take a quick break.